wonder how much less we would talk if we never spoke in sarcasm. <laughs> We'd probably get done with our meetings about an hour and a half earlier. <laughs> yeah. But it wouldn't be nearly as fun. That's true. No, it would not. Welcome to the Piney Pastors Podcast, the elders meeting after show where we hang out to discuss theology and issues relevant to covenant members at Piney Ridge Church in Winsville, Missouri. It's like a Bible study, covenant members gathering, elders hang out, and talk show all wrapped up into one. And it's all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So grab another cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Piney Pastors Podcast. My name is Nathan Smith. Here with me are, on my left... My name is Steve Hopped. And on my right... My name is Jason Myers. And we are thankful for this opportunity to continue talking. We've been talking for, oh, what? Hours. Oh, yeah. Almost. Start, almost five hours. That's right. We'll get there by the time we're done with this. I'm sure. Mm, yeah, we'll be a this solid podcast five will be about five hours long, so that'll yeah. make it about ten. Yeah, Sweet. yeah. But thankfully, we enjoy talking to one another. Indeed, and we enjoy hearing ourselves talk. So. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> so we decided so to record ourselves. Keep doing it. Maybe we should uh, do gonna, a podcast on humility. We're huh? gonna <laughs> record it. Maybe one of these days when we get some, we will do that then. But today, because. Uh, we don't have enough humility to record a podcast on it. Uh, we are going to talk about Reformed theology. Mm. Reformed theology is one of our distinctives here at Piney Ridge Church. And as at the end of this month of October, we will be celebrating, or some will, be celebrating Reformation Day. Others call it Halloween. <laughs> Same um, day. We thought this might be a good opportunity to talk about what Reformed theology is, uh, maybe why we have it as a distinctive, a, a, a named and listed and somewhat prominent distinctive, um, and what Reformation Day is all about. So, first of all, let's uh, maybe start with you, Steve, and... Could you explain, in a nutshell, maybe a large nutshell, what Reformed theology is? Yeah, I think that uh, Reformed theology is decidedly God-centered and not Mm -hmm. man-centered. Reformed theology says that uh, because of the fall of Adam, we are all born with uh, an inability we're, we're born spiritually dead, mm-hmm. as Ephesians 2 tells us, um, that we are born with hearts that are deceitful, that we are born with hearts that do not uh, take pleasure in God, that we, in fact, uh, seek to uh, be totally free of Him. We want to, uh, we follow, it says in Ephesians 2, the, the spirit of this world, and um, we are by nature children of wrath, which means we deserve to be uh, 
punished for all eternity because of our sin. Uh, but God, but God, who, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, has made us alive together with Christ. God uh, unconditionally chooses to bestow his grace on on people of his choosing. Mm-hmm. And he did this before the world was created. And uh, he has done it for the purpose of the glory of his grace. And so when it comes to salvation, it's not that um, we hear, I'm not going to go through all five points of tulip, but it's not because we hear and we decide that we're going to follow Jesus, but we are uh, birthed. The Holy Spirit is, is implanted in us, and, and along with him, the faith that we need to respond. We do respond mm-hmm. to the call of God to salvation, but it is only because of the faith that we are given by, by God. And so I think John Piper puts it this way, that, the, that God, I will paraphrase him because I won't get it exactly right. You'd probably say it better than he would. No. Mm-hmm. I will not. <laughs> but but the decisive factor in salvation mm-hmm. is God mm-hmm. and not man. And mm-hmm. so when God determines to uh, call us, we, we can't resist it. We will respond in faith, and, uh, and we will persevere in that faith, mm-hmm. and we will be sanctified, and eventually we will be glorified. But in a nutshell, I think... I think the, the, the number one thing is that it is God-centered. God is the person who determines who will be saved, mm-hmm. not man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, and I think in, when we think about Reformed theology, um, often it does, the focus becomes uh, soteriology, how one is saved, which is mm-hmm. what you were just talking about. Uh, there are other distinctives <clears throat> of Reformed theology. Jason, what are some of those? And they're all connected to um, soteriology, but what are some of those other distinctives of Reformed theology? Well, I think we could talk about, connected to what Steve said, the kind of overarching thing of being God-centered and is that uh, we have the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. over all things that God is sovereign in his power and his wisdom and his control over all the universe. Um, and um, another kind of disting- distinguishing mark of um, Reformed theology is that um, we, we are confessional. That is, we believe these things. We believe that there are truths um, that the, we get from Scripture that we can see throughout um, history being unfolded uh, in different creeds and confessions, and so that we don't put those over and above Scripture, but as a way to kind of um, uh, concisely um, say what Scripture already teaches. Mm-hmm. And um, one mm-hmm. such, you already mentioned earlier, Steve, like the, the TULIP, the acronym TULIP, there's also uh, five other points called the five solas, or the solas of the Reformation. Or you could say the pillars of Reformed theology. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that they're just, the word sola, Latin, just means alone. And the five solas are that it is, we believe that um, justification happens um, by grace alone. 
and it happens by uh, through faith alone in Christ alone, and that God alone gets all the glory, and we believe for mm-hmm. this, and that Scripture alone is our authority for giving this clear teaching. And so these are the uh, Reformation solas, you might say, that they mm-hmm. came out of um, um, the Reformation in this form to be more clear, but we believe that Scripture has been, that God had been teaching this through uh, throughout the Bible and Scripture ever since... Um, the gospel was being proclaimed and the scriptures were being written. Um, that, that it's reformed theology just means that the um, there were early um, church, well, not early, I guess, but mid um, 15, 14, 15, 1600s, um, scholars, theologians were trying to reform the church uh, because they believe it was being corrupted and some of the gospel doctrines were being lost. So they were trying to rediscover it not create it anew, so that yeah. uh, these are just reformed. Yeah. We're reformers. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and and in uh, well, really, as an outworking of those five solas, I think those churches that have followed in the reformed tradition, um, those things tend to work themselves out in in similar ways in a lot of churches mm-hmm. um, because when you when you really believe that um, it is uh, that that scripture alone is the highest authority for our lives, that then that leads to a particular kind of preaching application, um, even even down to um, the way that we worship when we gather. If we believe that that it is all glory is to be given to God alone, that that kind of shapes the way that you worship and that. Scripture is to be our authority for worship. That so a lot uh, churches in the Reformed tradition, while there is a lot of variety, there are also I think some pretty similar things across the board because of those kind of pillars mm-hmm. of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like how they're positive. Like it, it's it's the Reformation is called the Protestant Reformation because people were protesting. Mm-hmm. They were protesting um, some bad theology and corrupt ways within the Roman Catholic Church at the time, and yet putting these positively, I think, is helpful and encouraging instead of just what we're against, we're saying what we're for. Yeah. We believe these truths, these are important to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're not self-evident, they're evident in Scripture. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about the... Um, the Reformation itself, and... You alluded to some things just now, Jason, but it might be helpful to talk more specifically about uh, some of the the ways that the reformers were seeking to reform the church and why that didn't actually happen. Um, I, I I just I think it might be helpful because I grew up not really studying or knowing any church history. Um, didn't know that I, I kind of thought as of the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church as um, two like two uh, two trains running on parallel tracks that had never never converged at any point. I didn't Twins I born didn't realize that there was a yeah that there yeah. was a uh, common his, uh, route historically. So maybe just briefly. One of you talking about that would be helpful. Steve, you were there. How was it? What was it like? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember <laughs> back when I was a kid, there was only one church, and that was the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And uh, 
And well, uh, Martin Luther was a monk mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, and and he was struggling with um, justification, if I remember my history correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, he was struggling with a God who would, uh, you require know, it says, righteousness. yeah, require righteousness, and yet it's impossible to be righteous. And mm-hmm. so how, and and how can that be? And it's maddening. And uh, finally, uh, one day, um, when he was reading Romans, he, he read about, and it, and it just, you know, and I love to read that story because this kind of thing happens to me all the time. I read a passage of Scripture and say, have I ever read that before? Mm-hmm. Because it just strikes you. The Holy Spirit, I think, in you sometimes just uh, burns a hole in your heart and, and the light shines on the Scripture and you're like, Wow. And I think that's what happened to Martin Luther in reading about the justification that comes by faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to be fair to what God had been doing previous to that, um, Martin Luther wasn't the only voice, and he wasn't even the first voice to speak to some of these things. He was just maybe the loudest and most popular voice, <laughs> yeah. uh, most bombastic voice to be saying these um, things. Um, but there were people who were um, even put to death for saying some things like, uh, for instance, about the authority of Scripture and wanting to put Scripture into people's hands. Um, and so, Be- go ahead. And that was an issue because... In part because, yeah, the Roman Catholic Church was teaching that um, there is really, there's the authority of Scripture, there's the authority of the Pope, and there's the authority of the Church Council and throughout history. And so you have the, the magistrate. So you have... Um, these three levels, uh, these three um, pieces of authority, are all on the almost on the same level, mm-hmm. and um, some other people were saying, "No, no, no, no. We are mere men, and um, though aided by the Holy Spirit, we are still uh, fallible. We are still sinful. We are creatures, and so we need to submit every one of our ideas to the Word of God, to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so let's um, let's hold up Scripture and and teach it and preach it and um, let's put it into the hands of the people." <clears throat> and the Roman Catholic Church wanted to keep the um, the Bible in the in Latin, which it was originally originally written in Hebrew and Greek, but they tra- translated into the Vulgate in Latin. So they wanted to keep it there, but most people couldn't read Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people in Germany and France and other parts of Europe were like, um, "We don't know what's going on in the Mass. Um, we can't read it for ourselves." Mm-hmm. They even had Bibles that were chained up in their church buildings that no one could take them out and uh, try to learn on their own. And so um, that was part of it, too, um, even for Luther and others um, that were trying to get Scripture into the hands of the people. Yeah. Yeah, so um, since Reformation Day is coming up and that it's closely connected to Luther, what is significant about Reformation Day? Well, on Halloween... The 31st. All Hallows' Eve. Mm-hmm. All Hallows' Eve, yeah. Was on um, in 1517. That would be 504 years ago, right? This coming... Well done. October 31st. Martin Luther, um, he had written out 95 theses, just uh, basically statements that he wanted to discuss, uh, to discuss. He was a professor and wanted to discuss them with the other professors and the, uh, the divinity program at... Um, the uh, the university there, and so one of the things they would do is if they wanted to discuss something, they would take uh, like kind of we have might have a um, a cork board and put a note on there, and okay, people would go and 
respond to it. Well, he just nailed that, uh, his 95 Theses, to the um, door of the uh, church there. And somebody else, not he himself, but somebody else took those and started printing them and handing them out to others. And it spread like wildfire, where more and more people were reading them, and it was a growing um, protest against the mm-hmm. Roman Catholic Church because he said some, uh, as Luther um, was very... Um, <laughs> used to be doing, um, speaking in very strong language against some of the abuses of the Roman Catholic Church, um, selling of indulgences. You could sell them to people. Uh, they, were, they would pay for the, um, the church building that they were wanting to build, and it would get people out, out of, souls out of purgatory, they were taught. Uh, so they had to pay money to bring salvation, in a sense, and he mm-hmm. was saying, this is corrupt, and this is, uh, you have people lining their pockets, getting rich and abusing power. And um, the gospel itself is being um, obscured. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, speaking to, against, out against some of these things, um, it started to grow. And the Roman Catholic Church, some of the authorities were saying, you need to come and recant. And he refused. And so he became an outlaw and continued to teach and preach and write. Uh, and then many others kept doing the same until it grew to what it is today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and... Um, it is, it's good to remember and well to know, and then remember that history for a number of reasons. But one is that, uh, one of the, um, it wasn't one of the pillars, but it was a, um, a common theme in the time of the reformation was that the church must always be reforming. Yeah. That the, the reformers themselves, those magisterial, Reformers, what they call sometimes the early reformers, um, you know, Zwingli and Luther and Calvin, um, they understood that they weren't doing something that would be a one-time event, and then the church would be perfected by their efforts, and then that okay, would be it's it. fixed, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they recognized that because of the pervasiveness of sin, because of the the wiles of the devil, who is attacking the church at all times, um, and um, because yeah of, of of human nature, that the church <clears throat> would always be in need of reformation, and that the church would be reformed by these pillars, these principles, uh, the five solas, and so. Um, the I, th- I think the reformers would be would be happy if we look back at some of their some of the outworkings of things that they said. Um, there were you know Luther wasn't perfect. Um, he had some strong, especially in, in his later years, some anti-Semitism. Um, made some pretty crazy statements. Um, uh, Calvin had some some views some things uh even his understanding of the way that the church related to government that we'd probably say that doesn't seem that seems maybe still uh connected to tradition and and problematic at best yeah yeah <laughs> um but i think that they would be pleased to know that those in the church are looking at what they wrote and said and still seeking to reform according to scripture right That's, scripture is our highest authority not what the reformers said and though uh, we respect many things that they said and and did, and we're thankful for it. We um, 
we still hold scripture to be our highest authority. And I think the other way around, if they <clears throat> if they were to see us holding tightly to tradition as above the word of God, if we were holding tightly to even to um, to them as above the word of God, mm-hmm. they would shout sola scriptura yeah. to us. No, scripture alone yeah. is your authority. And so yeah, that's what we should be constantly seeking to be reformed, both individually, personally, but also corporately as a church and as all Christians, as the church. We should always be seeking to be more and more reformed according to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that that's in a fairly brief amount of time, actually, looking at the clock here, um, an explanation of why we hold to Reformed theology and why we believe that it's important to include as a distinctive um, that we make known. Uh, for one, it it, uh, it helps people who are familiar with this terminology of, of you know, the Reformation, Reformed theology. Um, if someone is looking for a church, if they're new to town, um, and they're looking for a, a church that they can at least be hopeful we'll have a similar theology to what they hold. Um, that gives them a, a you know starting point at least. But also because we we do hold to those five pillars of the Reformation. Uh, we think that they are um, a necessary foundation. And because we respect and um, are thankful for that Reformed heritage, uh, but also because we believe that we, as the church, need to always be reforming. So mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. we are still in that reformed tradition of those who need to be shaped um, and reformed, reformed as people, as Christians, as the church by the word of God. Yeah, and I think that we uh, <clears throat> we see it as biblical. We see it as healthy what what the church should be about is you know always being um always being reforming um and yet um i think that it's true that we all find great personal delight and benefit in these god-centered truths mm-hmm. um whether it's um looking at um, doctrines of grace as they're called in tulip or the five solas of the reformation or looking at uh, even the history of Reformation that God has been doing, working since the 14, 15, 1600s, um, we, get, um, we get encouraged by it, and we are most blessed when we see God as sovereign over all things, and particularly um, over our struggles and over our own sins mm-hmm. and over our own salvation. Mm-hmm. And it leads us to pray and to preach and to share the gospel and to teach and to counsel and to love and to give and to serve and to lead and to shepherd and everything else with more hope, with more confidence, Amen. because we believe in a God who is um, not only sovereign, supreme in authority, but sovereign in power and in control and in wisdom over all things. And so we have uh, confidence that our work is not never in vain. We're always abounding in the work of the Lord because we trust Him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's motivating, encouraging for us. Yeah. Amen. Steve, anything to add? No, I just I I think just to pile on what Jason said, that the the thing that I appreciate about the, the about reform theology is because it it emphasizes the power, the omniscience, the omnipotence of God over all of affairs of man. And mm-hmm. I think it it is a theology that that best 
resounds to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, and so that's I think that's one of the things that I appreciate most about it. Yeah. Yes, and amen to that. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up with that, and we hope this has been helpful, and we will try to record another podcast sometime, you know, within the next uh, period of time. Yeah, period of time. I'm going to go on vacation here pretty soon, so... Have fun and rest up. you guys want to record one in my absence, Steve's going on vacation, too, so... I'll Um, record one without you guys. But it's... Do you want to say it's not David Neighbor's fault? That we don't have a new podcast each week, even Can't though we say he's going to say that in just just a minute on the recording. Thank you for listening. We have a new podcast each week, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes. For more information about Piney Ridge Church in Wentzville, Missouri, visit us online at pineyridgechurch.org. That's P-E-I-N-E, ridgechurch.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Piney Ridge. That's all for today. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning.